Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. All right, well, next week, next Sunday is a big day. We are doing something totally out of the box, out of this box right here. I'll wait for these guys. Oops, you forgot. Oh, there you go. You got to secure that shoe real good to your foot. There. <laughs> oh, there it came off again. There you go. All righty, hallelujah. Well, we got that taken care of. Okay, well, next week is Impact Alaska. Really, this is something, uh, to be honest with you, the staff has been a little bit nervous about, something we've never done before. You know, whenever you charge into something you've never done, you're never fully confident, like, how's this going to work? But we're going to find out next week. You know, we did something several years back when we were still in the uh, Sherrod Elementary, when we were meeting there, we met uh, on a Saturday called Real Love, and we beautified uh, amusement park. It's a sad little park back then, and it needed a lot of help, so we raked that thing from boundary to boundary. I mean, we had a crew out there, and we put all new bark down and painted, and it took all day, and we had uh, lunch, and, and it was a lot of fun, but really made it a new park. But next week, we're doing something really crazy, really radical. Like uh, Christine said, the church is leaving the building. Right? You, the church. We are the church. We're going to be out there. We're going to three parks. So, you know, the Moosement Disc Golf over by Palmer High and, and the Skate Park. And we're going to do some painting and cleaning and all kinds of stuff. Picking up needles, making it a safe place. Doing whatever we need to do so families can go there and enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, it's going, to be a, it's going to be quite a deal. Um, and then afterwards, we're going to celebrate here with a big picnic and have lots of food and games and fellowship. And I'm looking forward to that. So make sure you're here at 745 and bring some rakes. It's going to be great. So as I said, we're going to be the church. We're going to leverage the servant strength of men, women, and children. We're going to pull together and leverage manpower, right, to get some work done. That's one thing the church has. We've got the physical uh, strength and resource that we're going to leverage next week to try to get a lot of stuff done. So... Uh, you might be asking, well, why are we doing this? Well, I hope to answer that question this morning, the big why. Uh, and, of course, we're going to refer to scriptures because in the Bible, you see Jesus' model and what he did with his disciples. Uh, they, we can take our cue from them. If you glance back a couple thousand years to Luke chapter 10, you see a picture of Jesus sending out not 12, but 72 to towns where he was going to go. They were, he was on his way to Jerusalem to face the cross. But he had a journey he was on. He wanted to visit a lot of towns and communities on his way. And so he sends out, sends out this, uh, his advance team, you could call it, to go where he's going to go and to prepare the way for him, in a sense, kind of like John the Baptist did, really. It's really interesting. He's got 72 now going out. And uh, they're going to go from town to town and relationship to relationship for, for a divine purpose. Let's read about it, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 11, and then 17 through 20. Says after this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others to set them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. 
He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore send out workers into the harvest fields. Go. Notice he didn't say stay. He said, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest with them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eat, drink, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter the town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even, dust, even the dust of your town wiped from our feet as a warning to you. It's called the dust-off principle, right? Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Seventy-two returned with great joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So as you read through this, you pick up on a few things, like Jesus sent them out like lambs among wolves, he said. In other words, it's not going to be easy, but it's necessary. It's interesting, Jesus didn't tell them to find out who's on my side, who's believing in me, or anything like that. Then you can heal them and have, give them a spiritual experience. He just says, look, if they just flat out welcome you, if they just give you a signal like, oh, the door's open, come on in. Not really sure what you're about, but you're welcome. He says, if that's the case, well, minister, stay there. Tell them more is to come. Great days are ahead. Now, they were really excited because demons submitted to them. Kind of interesting part of this passage. What's Jesus do? He reminds them. Of course, he's glad that that happened. He's like, good for you. Hey, right on. High five. Then he says, but uh, remember that the reality is that you belong to God, and it's your position before him as sons and daughters. It's relationship which is important. That's what he's saying. That's really what's important because everything flows from that. The reason why they're running is because you're in my family. So that's really important that Jesus made an emphasis on that. Now, uh, in, this, in light of this passage, we need to ask ourselves, well, how do we represent Jesus well, not just day to day in what we do, but next week, next Sunday? Why in the world are we doing this? Well, um, first of all, let me just say this. The reason why we're getting out of this box here, because we want to get out of my huddle. That's our first point. Let's get out of our huddles. Our culture has been slowly turning away from biblical values. That's no big secret. It's like this line of demarcation. you got those who are really committed to God, really following him and standing firm in their convictions. Then you got a group over here that says, you guys are nuts. You know, we don't like you, and we're going to do what we want to do. And Anyway, you got this going on. And so because of that, it's common for you and I, for the church, to kind of retreat to a place of familiarity, a place who shared the common faith and values, right? We kind of like, I feel safe here. I know how you're going to respond to me. I don't have any surprises. This is all good. I like it. And uh, that's kind of what we tend to do. Now, the days of the early church, uh, when Jesus walked the earth, they were living in a culture that was anything but friendly to godliness or the church or what they would call the way back then. That was being established. They were not friendly to this newfound faith, to Christianity, to Judaism, um, Rome was corrupt and decadent and evil as our culture is today. 
So in that day and age, they actually had the same urge to withdraw to their huddles. So they knew that they had this safe place that they could go and support one another. That would be the typical reaction. But we, the church, are called to represent Jesus. That's what our call is. We are to be his voice. Uh, we are his advance team. We are to influence society and the world around us, our culture. So here's the deal. You can't have impact if you don't have some contact, right? If you have no contact, how can you have impact? So that's why I think it's important for leaders to kind of be present because <laughs> if you're not, you can't lead. You're not there. You're absent, right? You have to be in contact to have impact because so much more is caught than taught, and you just got to, so we're going to get out there and make some contact, right? So that we can have some impact. Important. We have to avoid the tendency to be ingrown and isolated with only those who believe and feel the same thing or the same way as we believe. And this is really going to help our community, uh, those who are lost, those who have been, as the Bible says, blinded by the God of this age that keeps them from the gospel from believing the gospel. We are to be, as the Bible says very clearly, salt and light. A sheltered life is not necessarily a godly life, right? We have to be out doing what Jesus called us to do. It's very clear. Jesus' great, de de the great commission that he declared as he commissioned the church, he said, now you go, make Jesus followers, disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to do everything I've called you to do. Obey me. That's what he said. And so go was the command. And do. Be salt. Get out of the salt shaker. This is the salt shaker, right? There was a book written many, many years ago, Out of the Salt Shaker or something like that. Makes a lot of sense because we got to flavor our community. And we are commissioned to do so. Now, look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. He said to the church, you and I, he says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, let your light shine to affect others. When you rub shoulders with them, when you make contact, uh, they will know and they will see you. Why? Well, it says in that passage, so that they may see your good deeds. And what's the result? Well, hopefully, eventually, they may come to know God as you know God. Now, let's look at First Peter for a moment. He's writing to a bunch of persecuted Christians. This is really important. The religious leaders have turned against the church. The government has turned against the church. Everything's, everybody's marching against them. And Peter's telling the church how to survive in this storm that they're in. And he says stuff like this. He says, look, don't be surprised, church, if you, when you experience these fiery or ordeals that are upon you as though something strange was happening. And over and over again, Peter talks about persecution and trouble because they're following Jesus in the midst. right? And, 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 and all this is happening, he doesn't say, Okay, you guys, you need to hunker down. You need to get in your shelters and stay in your huddle and band together. Stay safe. 
No, he, he doesn't say that. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. This is what he says. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. They wage war against your soul. Then he goes on to say, Live such good lives among the pagans, among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your, there it is, good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So he says, first of all, stay from sinful desires. In other words, we're called to live a moral life. We are. We, we don't take our cues from the culture. We just don't. I don't. We don't allow our flesh to indulge in things the culture indulges in. Why? Because you're creation. You're different. The bottom line is you can't deny that. I don't care. You can argue until you're blue in the face. You are different when you come to Jesus and the church is a counterculture movement. It is. It's going to go against the culture. We just not, are not going to clamor after with the culture. He's not going to do that. So we are, we are to live uh, according to Scripture. That's what we do. We live moral lives led by the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God flowing through us. That's what we do. But it's not, it's not just enough. I, he says, I, wa I want you to live that kind of life so that they won't accuse you, he says, so that they will not only see your good life or moral, your morality, but up close and personal, they will see your good deeds when that contact happens. And that will hopefully lead them to Jesus because, you know, you're a Jesus follower, right? So live, live moral Live a moral life or a different lifestyle. That's pretty important. And if it gets their attention, which most likely it will, um, but often, here's the deal. The, often the moral life causes a lot of observation, <laughs> but it doesn't always cause them to join you. They just kind of go, hmm, how are you doing that? Hmm. If we just lived with a different standard among ourselves in our own little huddle and nobody actually sees us out there being the hands and feet of Jesus, being the influence in practical ways like the 72 did. They healed, they prayed, they did all kinds of stuff uh, before these people were even believers, right? That's what they did. And what are they doing? They're actually bringing Jesus into their home, they themselves. They're bringing a representation of Jesus to them, their community. So we, be, we need both a moral and a life, and we need good deeds. Those things need to happen together. People need to see people who have been, a, been transformed by the gospel doing good deeds, and as a result of that transformation, that's why they're doing the good, zee, de, <laughs> good deeds. In other words, right, you don't get saved by your good works. You are saved for good works. You have a transformed life, and now you're demonstrating that out in the community through your good deeds. And they're saying, oh, that's the result of a, oh, and things start coming together. A good moral life without touching or interacting with those around us uh, who don't know Jesus will not necessarily make a difference. Morality and good deeds really are a powerful force when you join them together. Don't you believe that? Something happens in that moment, in that, uh, in that addition, joining. So that's the first thing. The next one, the first one, let's get out of, we're going to get out of our huddles for a purpose. And then the next one is serve before we speak. Serving before we speak. Luke 72, they're going to these places where Jesus was going to go. They're an advanced team. They laid the groundwork. They're building credibility with their good deeds and the things they're doing. There's a lot of miracles happening, prayer and different things. And, 
And then Jesus shows up, and the ground's already been plowed. Things have been prepped for him. Now they're going to be much more receptive to what he's going to say. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good strategy, don't you think? So serving really earns us the right to be heard where otherwise they might not be interested. It's the testimony that goes out that a church came out on a Sunday. They're like, what are you guys doing out here? Don't you, aren't you supposed to be in that building here on this day? Isn't that normally what you guys do? But, but we broke the mold, and now we're out there joining churches from Anchorage to Eagle River all the way to Talkeetna doing the same thing in parks, hopefully leaving a really good taste in the lives of people that observe, maybe, somehow. It may open them up to the message we carry. Who knows? It was a, it was a model Jesus actually did. When you look at the life of Jesus, he, not only in those he sent, but that's what he did. He traveled from town to town. He was always traveling. He was healing. He was ministering, doing miracles, establishing his reputation. He was demonstrating his love and his concern. Do a search on the compassion of Jesus, and it's mind-blowing how, how often he was moved by his compassion. Now, I'll give you a, a snippet just of what Jesus did of his life and how he modeled this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, 25. It says, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds came from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So we see that Jesus taught and healed. Who did they bring to Jesus? They brought those who had desperate need. Jesus didn't say, why don't you guys just sit down and listen to me? You're always coming to me with needs, you know. Is that all you want me for? Just needs, right? Is that, he didn't do that. He was happy and compassionate and moved by his compassion to heal and to touch those who were diseased. All who came to him, <clears throat> the sin sick, all needed a doctor, and that's why he came. Whether they came to hear him or not, he loved them, he healed them, and he delivered them. That's what Jesus did. So powerful. So powerful. And he ministered first, and then that opened doors, obviously, for what he would have to say. They were glad to all sit in the fields and just listen. And hopefully that will happen one day with the church at large. Amen. <laughs> Look, we're not, out there, we're not out there doing stuff in our community to get pats on the back. We're really not interested in that. Um, we're not doing this for public notoriety. This, this is just to be who we are. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And that's, we're like Jesus. That's what we do. It's to be second nature. We simply want to love our community in a very practical way, um, very tangible way, make it easy for people to... Come to Jesus. Maybe it'll pull some barriers down. I don't know. Maybe obstacles will come down. Maybe whatever's up out there will, will instead of up here, maybe it'll be down here and people will be able to step over a little bit more and say, ah, maybe I'll check this out. We're simply offering the love of Jesus with no strings attached, which actually is the gospel. It's free. Come and receive. And uh, we want people to know, obviously, who to go to, and that's Jesus. Look, if, if if, if we're out there and, and they, 
and it opens the door for them to know about Jesus some way. I mean, hallelujah, that's beautiful. Um, they'll know who to go to if it's us, if they want to have a transformed life because we're representing who Jesus is. Uh, we aren't trying to serve incognito either. We're just we're not interested in that either. We serve in the name of Jesus. All right? And if people recognize this church on the Rock Palmer, great. We're not out there telling them, but that's awesome. Maybe when they're more interested, they'll know who to come to. Right? Know where to go. Get some answers. But when you couple good deeds with, good, with, with our words, now you have impact. Now you have impact. Becomes like music to their ears, hopefully. What you're doing in the community is like singing a really good song that people enjoy listening to. It's not going to be like fingers on a chalkboard, I don't think. I don't think it's going to be that way. You know, someone could have all the right words but just be a jerk. And they do more damage than anything, you know what I'm saying? They're like, man, nobody wants to listen to them. You know, they're just arrogant or prideful or whatever, and it just comes through, and you're like, you know, huh? Not a real receptive audience. But you can have... What we want our lives to be is, is a really good song people enjoy listening to. That's what we want. You know, you can have really great, great lyrics, words, but have terrible instrumentation going with it, the music. And people just aren't going to listen to it. It's not going to be interested. But if you have good words with a really good instrumentation, really good music with it, not only will people want to listen to it and enjoy listening to it, they're probably going to remember it. That's important. Our good deeds serving our community is like playing this really good catchy song, in a sense, that people will be curious to listen to. And when our word's spoken, they may want to listen. Yeah, matter of fact, you may be one of those people that can't really articulate real well what your relationship with Jesus is like. You're like, oh, I don't know, I just get all tongue-tied, and I'm not really sure how to put it in words and all that. You know, and, and you'd like to be able to do that, but it's hard for you. But your good deeds, a lot of times, can communicate something so beautiful that people can relate to that it becomes music to their ears. It's a very practical way. You know, if I came with you and said, man, you better get right with God because hell is hot. Sit ain't right. And you better, he's coming soon. They're like, dude, chill. Or I could say, hey, you know what? Jesus came and lived and died, and he did that for you, and he took your sin upon himself, and he'd really love to have a relationship with you. How many think that might be a little easier to listen to? Played a different song that you do. So the music, the tone makes a big difference. So we get out of our huddle. We serve before we speak. We play some good music, right? Here's the next one. When the door closes, it's time to leave. Luke chapter 8. We'll read this again. I read this already. It says, when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. It's <laughs> interesting, isn't it? In other words, when the door is open, stay put. When it closes, time to go, right? You know, how many know some people don't know when to go, when to be quiet? <laughs> right? You ever met those? It's like some don't know when to step back and stop pushing and let God step in, right? You know, you got a family or a friend, and you're trying to win them to Jesus, and you're always talking to them. You're just like, nah, and you push, 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 push. 
you know, and they're just not interested, and they're just kind of like, oh, here they come, get me out of here, oh, I don't want to talk to me again, you know, and they're trying to find a way out of the room, you know, and, but here they come, and they get, buy them one more book and send them one more podcast, <laughs> too many. You know, I've, I've realized, because I kind of, when I first got saved, I kind of did that kind of stuff, but um, I had to learn to temper things. Um, but I did, I found out this early on, that there's a Savior, and his name is Jesus, <laughs> and it wasn't me. You know, that's, you know, sometimes we have to realize that. We have to tell ourselves, okay, look, I'm not the Savior. I don't save people. Jesus saves them. And he's really good at it. He's saving people all the time. And so we got to know when to kind of back off and when to be sensitive to that and let Jesus do what Jesus does best and save people. Jesus uh, didn't say, well, when you enter the town and they're not welcoming you, I want you to stay put. Don't give an inch. Get up in their grill. Just Jump back down, you know. He said, nah, it's time to leave. Head to the next town. No one to back off. You can only go as far as somebody's going to allow you to go, right? I mean, so um, it, it may not be good news to them. Uh, and we don't want them to become sour over pushy Christians. I wonder if anybody here has ever came to Jesus Christ because someone stood in your space and argued with you. You know, and just argued you until you just finally said, all right, I'll get saved. What do I got to do? No, that doesn't work, does it? It doesn't normally. Or or somebody tried to guilt you into getting saved. If you got guilted into getting saved, mm, probably won't stick. You know, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, I believe the Bible says. Amen? Yeah. So that's not typically how it works. Somebody's not going to shame you into getting saved. Now, there's a combination of prayer and sensitivity and love on display, good deeds and words that's spoken in wisdom. The Bible says, you know, be gentle as doves and wise as serpents, right? Look what 1 Peter 3.15. Peter's given some really great instruction here. Look what he says here, okay? There you go. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Okay, so he says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. In other words, they give you permission. Doors open, you got permission. What do you want to say? That's a good thing to know. He says, do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, beautiful music, right? You're playing the fiddle. Woo, yeah. Okay, and it says, Keep a clean conscience. Why? So you won't be labeled a hypocrite, right? Live a moral life, you know. Um, and speak the truth when the door is open. Now, next week, we're going to be out there serving in our community. We're going to be showing good deeds. We get that. Love of Jesus. We're going to be his hands and feet. We'll be out there praying and doing things. We'll pray before we go. And uh, uh, because... We're doing this because of what Jesus actually has done in our life, obviously. And if he opens the door for more conversation, maybe next week, maybe in two weeks, maybe in a year with somebody. Because of that, well, glory to God. That's a beautiful thing. Maybe this will change the attitude or a mindset possibly with some in our community or even our local government. Maybe about the church. That's been wrong. I don't know. Maybe... It'll change their attitude about Christians in general. 
because they've had a different attitude or the gospel. I don't know. Um, as a result, if, if that accomplishes that, then hallelujah, that's huge, huge. So here's one more thing. We want to leave the results to God. Because most of the time when you share your faith, how many know it's a lot of plowing, a lot of hard work, a lot of perseverance, a lot of sowing seeds, staying the course. Just You're just trying to do what you can do and be obedient. And it's like taking the ball and go, tink, and you hit it over the net. And you're just standing there waiting to hit, please hit that ball back to me, right, please. And, and tomorrow we're going to, or next week, tink, that's what we're going to do. Maybe some of you will hit the ball back. Wouldn't that be cool? And we got an opportunity. They hit the ball back, say, hey, door's open. I don't know. If that happens, we share faith. But there's a lot of plowing. Uh, and you just do what you can do. You re be responsible to live before Jesus the way God wants you to live. And in such a way that will bring a witness for him. Uh, and... Uh, this is one of the things that we obviously have the power and ability to do. That's within our ability. You don't control the outcome, but you can control your lives, your actions, your reactions, and your responses. That we have control over. We're not there, again, to advertise or bring banners. Look what Church on the Rock is doing. Aren't we great? We're just there to represent Jesus. Here's the deal. Um, I think, you know, if you live in Palmer, you just can't help but fall in love with Palmer. It's really a great community. I mean, you go to the post office and, you know, people open the door for you. Now I'm doing it. Matter of fact, I've stood there for quite a while. When am I ever going to get in this place? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, good. Oh, thank you. Oh, have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, too. Just kindness everywhere, man. It's really beautiful. Um, and so here's the deal. I think we love our community, and I think all of us here want to make it really hard for people in our community to go to hell. Amen? Whatever we can do to, to, to put up a barrier. You know, the only way you're going to go to hell is you kick the cross out of the way. That's the only way you're getting there. So we just want to kind of put up crosses everywhere, right? <laughs> just make it really hard for people. Make them question. Make them think. Make them wonder. Hmm. Well, put thoughts of eternity in them, Lord. That's what we're after. And if raking a park and painting something and picking up needles and laying some cement and whatever we got to do in our community, if that helps soften some hearts, if that helps uh, some people in our community to kind of take, turn, maybe look our way, just glance our way and say, huh, interesting. What's going on? I mean, if, if that happens, glory to God. If it sends some kind of a message that says, wow. I'll have the worship team come out. We've got to wrap this up here a little bit. But um, if it just takes them one more step closer to being receptive to some good news of Jesus, one more step. So we're displaying the love and the generosity of God through our time, energy, our talent, our deeds. We're going to be doing that next week, pulling down barriers, hopefully. Uh, we're sowing. And you know, the law of the harvest is spiritual. You will reap what you sow eventually. That just happens. It kicks in. I think it's really good for people to see the church in their community being givers, not takers, being contributors, not contaminators, being the solution and not the problem. Stepping up and saying, hey, by the way, we're on your side. We love your, our community too, and 
We're here to help and partner with you. We're, we're on your side, man. We're not against you. What a way, great way to communicate that, to be the solution. And we care about, you know, look, you care about your community, it says you care about people, right? Why do we clean the church and have clean bathrooms and all that and try to, you know, make things look spruce and do our best job to serve people when they're coming in? Because they say, well, they take care of their facilities and maybe they're going to take care of me. So it's a big, it's a big communication deal. And it's the gospel, which is free. I think, um, I do think, you know, there's people out there, they do, they think Christians are jerks. <laughs> Many have weird stereotypes about church or Christianity and they're fuddy-duddies, they're no fun, they're uh, uh, hypocrites or whatever. You know, you hear it all, you see it all. But this is an opportunity to actually prove people wrong and break the stereotype and nudge people just a little bit closer, maybe disarm somebody out there, right? I often discovered that when people come to Jesus Christ, it's always because of a series of encounters and people and events. And it usually happens over time. I think it takes six or seven or eight contacts before somebody actually comes to church, different contacts. Amazing how that happens. But if it brings people to a, a closer decision point, then, then that's good. I hope it does earn us favor some way but here's the, here's the last thing I'll stop here what's so cool about doing this kind of stuff is again Jesus came to serve and not be served and I think it is one of the most healthy things for believers to do is just serve get that serving muscle and flex it exercise it, grow it because it brings health to you emotionally and spiritually in every other way giving your life away, rolling your sleeves up getting in the front line, getting in the trenches. It's just something really good and healthy about it for people, for the church. makes us healthier. A lot of good benefits. So, let's stand together. Let's be praying throughout the week about what God is going to do as we gather at 7.45 a.m. next Sunday and prepare to do something we've never done before. How about that? A new journey. Let's, as we sing this, make this song a prayer. Christ be glorified.
strong and worship you Cause if it puts me through the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too And I won't be formed by feelings I hold fast to what is true And if the cross brings transformation I'll be crucified with you And death is just a doorway actually pretty exciting so you got this is the opportunity until fall hits so i hope you can make time three o'clock today let's pray lord let's pray about next week lord we thank you god for the opportunity that's before us next week we're going to step out into some territory that's uncharted we've never done this before but lord we really believe you're in it as the church leaves the building and represents you i pray god that there will be a special grace on us next week Lord, as we work together and serve together, I pray you'll help us to bring all the details together. There's a lot of moving parts. And Lord, whatever happens, we're going to get a lot of work done. We pray that your hand will be upon us as we take this on in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? If you need prayer for anything, we've got some folks up here to minister to you today. God bless you. Thank you for listening. 
For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.